Hello and welcome to the mystery room. I'm Shannon and I'm Abby and welcome back. We just want to start off by saying thank you to everyone who has followed us, listened to our podcasts and you know just spreading the love. Yeah basically just showing us support because we really appreciate every single one sharing, comment, liking, following, like we just appreciate everyone so thank you we are now on episode 14 and we have got canti prosecco for this week's drink i'm not a huge prosecco fan but i will drink it because it's alcohol did you know there is something you can get that you put in prosecco and it makes it taste fruity i think it's called chambord oh i love that stuff yeah that's really nice of lemonade yeah, well, there we go. You can put it in Prosecco and make it taste really nice. No, no, I do like Chambord. Yeah. It's really nice. By the way, we have had to start. We had already recorded halfway through and then it cut out. So and it was like being a very boy is really weird. Yeah. So it's now our second attempt at recording. So this week's episode, we are looking into the disappearance of Lauren Spira. In the early hours of June 3rd, 2011, Lauren Spira went out to celebrate the end of term by partying with her friends. It should have been like any other weekend before, but on this morning, Lauren left her friends and walked home alone in the direction of her apartment, but this time she'd never be seen again. So, who is Lauren? Lauren Spira was born on January 17, 1991, in Scarsdale, New York, to her parents, Charlene and Robert Spira. She also had a sister, Rebecca. Lauren was born with a rare heart condition, long QT syndrome. So this requires her to take medication. This condition results in an increased risk of an irregular heartbeat, which can lead to fainting, seizures, or even sudden death. She attended Edgemount High School in Greenville, New York, and graduated from there in 2009. She went on to study fashion merchandising at the University of Indiana. Lauren was an active member of the Jewish community. She would frequently be attending gatherings at Hill Center's campus. And in 2011, she spent her spring break planting trees in Israel on behalf of the Jewish National Fund. What a lovely girl. I know, could you imagine how other people spent their spring break? Getting absolutely smashed. (laughs) Lauren had just finished her sophomore... Sophomore? (laughs) Lauren had just finished her sophomore year at Indiana University when she disappeared. Lauren lived off campus at Smallwood Plaza. So it's an apartment complex on 9th Street and College Avenue in downtown Bloomington in Indiana. Lauren was in a romantic relationship with fellow university student Jessie Wolfe, whom she met years earlier during a camp in Honsdale, Pennsylvania. Lauren was four foot one inches and weighed 90 to 95 pounds and had blonde hair and blue eyes. On the night that Lauren went missing, she was wearing black leggings and a white tank top with a white shirt over. But despite such a detailed description to the authorities, no progress was ever made. Meanwhile, there was a massive national press coverage of the disappearance. But again, despite a thorough search, Lauren remains missing and her case is unsolved. 
Over the last 12 years, Bloomington Police have worked closely with the FBI to go through CCTV footage, conducted interviews of hundreds of people and do land searches in a case which is still very active today. The Spira family still hold hope, but there are many people out there who believe this case will never be solved. There is so much surveillance footage from many different buildings and streets that captured Lauren around campus that night, but then suddenly she just vanished. On the day Lauren vanished, she had a couple of friends over to watch a basketball game and drink some wine. Many of her friends she had met years earlier at the same camp in Pennsylvania. Her boyfriend, however, wasn't at the apartment that night and she messaged him saying she was going to bed once it had finished. But at some point her plans changed, as they do, because you could be sat there having a bit of a drink and then suddenly you look at your mate and go, do you want to go out tonight? Yeah, yeah. So I get it. Yeah, we know the feeling. Yes. So her and her friend, David Ron, went to a party at his friend's, Jay Rosenbaum's, which is two blocks away. She was seen leaving her apartment with David at 12.30am, looking very happy. At Rosenbaum's apartment, they met up with Corey Rossman, who was Rosenbaum's neighbour, and Rossman's roommate, Michael Beth. Lauren spent the next few hours moving around different parties with her friends. I wish I knew that many people who had parties, because... Yeah, I think in America, they're not, not like, no, I don't want to say this and like get shouted at, but they do seem... To always be going to parties, like house parties, gatherings. Yeah, but it's because you can't drink until you're 21. Yeah, true. Like, over here, once you hit 18, like... Yeah, you're out. Yeah. From, like, the age of 16, 17, you do go to a few house parties. But before that, it's nothing major, really. No. I only went to, like, two house parties in my life. Like, when I was I 16. posted loads. Moving on to the timeline of Lauren's disappearance. At 1.46am, she was seen entering Kilroy's sports bar. Then at 2.27am, Lauren is caught on camera exiting the bar with Rossman. She had left her phone and shoes at the bar and had taken her shoes off when she walked onto the sand-covered patio. Rossman then walked Lauren back home. At 2.30am, Lauren is seen entering her apartment complex. A passerby, Zach Oakes, noticed Lauren was intoxicated and asked if she was okay. When Lauren and Rossman got to the fifth floor of the building where her apartment is, they ran into four male students in the hallway. Rossman supposedly says something a bit sarcastic to one of the lads, and the guy decked him. <laughs> Why does that mean I don't know, it's just the way it's, like, described. Decked him. Rossman claims that he can't remember anything after this. Lauren left her apartment again at 2.48am and entered an alleyway that runs between College Avenue and Morton Street. Security cameras on nearby apartments captured her exiting the alley at 2.51am and walking towards an empty lot. This is where her keys and purse were found. The cameras in an alleyway show Lauren stumbling and at some point Rossman tosses her over his shoulder in a fireman's carry. They arrived at Rossman's apartment shortly after. Michael Beth was at the apartment and Rossman was intoxicated and stumbling round, then vomiting on the carpet upstairs. Beth told police that he escorted Rossman to bed and tried to persuade Lauren to sleep over for her own safety, but Lauren says she wanted to go home. 3.30am, Beth said he phoned the neighbour Rosenbaum, asking him to take care of Lauren. 
He said Lauren wanted to drink more and asked Beth to drink with her. Rosenbaum told police that Lauren had a large bruise under her eye that she allegedly sustained from a fall earlier that evening, but couldn't remember how she got it. Just before Lauren left, she had made two calls from Rosenbaum's phone, one to David Roan and the other one to another friend, but neither picked up and no messages were left. At 4.30am, Lauren left the apartment to go home, and this is the last known sighting of her. She was seen at the intersection of 11th Street and College Avenue. She intended to walk two and a half blocks home alone that night, which we actually did have to have a conversation about because we weren't sure how far blocks were. Because we don't work in blocks in the UK. No. Actually, what do we work in? Miles? Yeah. Some places do kilometres as well, don't they? I don't. Yeah, like in Iceland, they work in kilometres an hour. Driving. Oh, yeah, that's what got caught speeding. I got caught speeding because I was doing... Actually, I can't even make this out to sound better than it is. I was doing 120 kilometres an hour. What is that in miles? I don't know. That's not a lot more than, is it? 74? Yeah, see, that's not that's bad. bad. Honestly, I felt like I was breezing down there. <laughs> and it's really funny because the person in front of me was driving faster than me, but I'm the one who got pulled over. I was fuming. Yeah, that's always the case. Several hours later, Jesse Wolf would wake up and message his girlfriend, but he didn't get a reply from Lauren. It was from someone from the sports bar. Wolf knew something was wrong and reported his girlfriend missing. On the 4th of June 2011, Lauren's parents arrived in Bloomington to try and find their daughter. On the 5th of June 2011, a woman with no connections to Lauren, but hears about her disappearance, starts a Twitter feed and within two weeks it had 20,000 followers and many retweets from celebrities, including Kim Kardashian. On June 6, 2011, a ground search with an army of volunteers takes place, starting a three-day search for Lauren. The National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children learns of Lauren's disappearance and dispatches a rapid response team to Bloomington. Lauren is assigned a missing persons number, which is 1173375. On June 7th, 2011, there is now national coverage. America woke up to the story of Lauren Spira on BBC's Today, ABC's Good Morning America and CBS Morning News. Her face, name and story were all over America with the whole nation seeing. The parents of Lauren take part in a news conference at Bloomington Police Department and this will become a daily occurrence for the first week of the investigation. The same day, Bloomington Police execute a search warrant for Lauren's apartment and for security footage. There are also many Facebook pages and groups set up. One of them is called Help Find Lauren Spira, which has 12,000 followers and a Facebook event page which had 72,000 participants, which is around the population of Bloomington. June 8, 2011, a dive team was sent to search Lake Monroe due to police department getting a tip, but nothing came up from this tip. The same day, the owner of the Colts, Jim Earsay, goes onto Twitter and offers a $10,000 reward for Lauren's safe return. June the 9th, 2011, the Spira family then offer $100,000 for any information which will lead to their daughter's safe return. This is when information starts pouring in, but they still have no suspects. Obviously, you're going to offer $100,000. 
people are just going to say shit. I can imagine a lot of people made shit mm. up. On June the 10th, 2011, as we said, the Spearer family did a daily news conference. And on the 10th of June, the police said that they had 10 people of interest. These include Rossman and his roommate, Mike Beth. They both submitted DNA for testing. On this day, police were also stopping vehicles at College Avenue and 11th Street, where Lauren was last seen, and asked the drivers if they were in the area the night that she vanished. They were also asking local businesses for their CCTV footage. On June the 11th, Lauren's story has a short segment on America's Most Wanted. From this short segment, they received 350 tips, but still there was no breakthrough. There were daily searches at 11am, 2pm and 5pm and each search drew as many as a thousand people a day to help search for the 20 year old girl. Again, why is it taking so long for the police to do this work? Yeah, it's like we said about the CCTV footage. If she got taken and kidnapped, they've long gone. Well, exactly. I'd be rooting around the CCTV, like, day dot. The first 24 or 48 hours is the most important. You would do most things in between that time. She went missing on a street. Like, surely there's CCTV everywhere around there. So someone must have caught something. Let's get back to the case now that I've done moaning about the police they're not as bad as some of the cases we've done like at least the case is very very active still and it's not a cold case and they are still yeah if someone calls in for a tip they'll look at her like you know which we'll see later because it's one of these tips that they get is actually quite amusing from the first day the spearer family arrived in bloomington they believed that the friends lauren was hanging around with that night knew more than they were saying Four of the men that Lauren was with that night quickly lawyered up. Corey Rossman, Jay Rosenbaum, Mike Beth and Jesse Wolfe are all still considered a persons of interest, but not considered suspects. Was I mean? I don't know. I was. I mean, there must be a difference, but I don't. There obviously is a difference. Like, they just think they're te- they know more, but they don't suspect them of doing anything. Dodgy. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. That makes sense, yeah. But... Why did they lawyer up straight away? That's weird. Yeah, that's well, odd. Wait, who was it that lawyered up? Pretty much, all of, pretty much all of them. Yeah, pretty much all of them lawyered up. What? Even her boyfriend? Yeah. Ooh. Jesse Wolf claimed to be at home all night on the third of June, but this story can neither be confirmed or denied, and his alibi's never actually been confirmed. Because how can you confirm it if you're on your own at home? That's that's the hard thing. Yeah, they're on their own, but they actually are on their own. Yeah, it's like how do you prove it? All four men were very cooperative within the investigation. However, some of their parents wouldn't allow them to take polygraphs. Instead, they took lawyer-appointed or third-party polygraphs. Okay, so that I couldn't understand because polygraphs aren't accurate. Yeah, I don't think you can get someone to do a polygraph anyway. No, like, I don't know why they, they use them as... Like... They use them a lot in America. Yeah, I don't know why, though, because why they're not accurate. I'm sorry, they're not. They're really not. Like, if someone's really nervous, it will say they're lying when they're not. Yeah, exactly. You can't, I just don't think it's just evidence. So, both Rosenbaum and Wolf claimed that they passed the independent tests, but the results have never ever been made public. So, we don't know. Like, they could be saying, yeah, they passed, but we don't know. And obviously, because it wasn't done through the police department, they technically don't have to know. Yeah. Yeah. So, who knows? Why do that then? Why do you do that at all? That's, yeah. Who even said they did do them? 
There are so many theories in the case of Lauren Spira. One theory was that somebody abducted her off the street. She was last seen. I mean, a young intoxicated woman who weighed only 90 pounds and was barefoot. It's not impossible. No. There were also a sex offender who killed another Indiana University student, Hannah Wilson, but police later dismissed the case as having no similarity to Lauren. They did look into him and they did actually go to his house and arrest him. Already? Yeah, and there was no way it was him. It definitely was not him. So there is another theory that maybe Lauren had accidentally overdosed from drinking too much alcohol and when police were searching through her apartment, they found some cocaine. So, with lots of alcohol and cocaine in her system, link this with her heart problem and it may have caused her to die. If she did die from an overdose at someone else's apartment, maybe panic set in and maybe they hid her body. I highly doubt she was walking the street and just died as her body would have been found. I also don't believe the three boys yeah, could hide a body that well that it would never be found, especially for young boys. Especially drunk yeah panicking yeah it i just i don't see it and also like if they knew she had a heart problem they probably would have just i would if i was like in that situation and someone just died on me i wouldn't hide their body i'd probably i would probably call someone yeah exactly but yes it looks dodgy but an autopsy would say no she died from this the police believe that there are only three scenarios which are the most likely so one of them was that she was out with her friends that night all boys and not her boyfriend. Did he get jealous and do something? To this day, his alibi has never been proven. The second one is she had health issues. Perhaps she died of natural causes from drinking and the boys disposed of her body through panic and fear. And the third one, if we believe what Jay Rosenbaum said and Lauren left his apartment at 4.15am, then she was abducted by an opportunist on the street. A little petite girl, helpless, barefoot, 90 to 95 pounds, intoxicated, she could have easily been abducted. The police believe that someone knows something, but they aren't talking. So in August 2011, police conducted a nine-day search of the Sycamore Ridge landfill in Pimento for clues in the disappearance. The landfill is where all the rubbish from Bloomington is hauled after a stop at a transfer station. The Bloomington Police Department, the Indiana University Police Department and the FBI all took part in the search. In January 2016, the FBI and police investigated a property in 2900 block of Old Morgantown Road in Martinsville. This is about 20 miles north of Bloomington. According to the FBI, they were following up on leads in Morgan County regarding Lauren's disappearance. The property in question belonged to a man named Justin Wages, who resided there with his mother and stepfather. Justin was suspected of exposing himself to many local women. The property was investigated with cadaver dogs, which indicated potential evidence. They then proceeded to get an anthropologist to conduct a dig and sieved dirt from the barn where the cadaver dogs hit, but nothing was found. They also towed a white truck from the property. When they were checking CCTV back in 2011, there was a white truck spotted 10 minutes before Lauren vanished, but Justin wasn't the man they were after. Fast forward to 2021, 
ten years after Lauren's disappearance. Lauren's mum was forwarded a TikTok conspiracy theory surrounding her daughter, which was then given to the police. Charlene Spira was sent a clip which went viral, alleging that a woman who looks a lot like Spira may be being held and forced to work for an online casino. In the TikTok, they are not saying it's her, but they are saying it looks like her. Police investigated the TikTok and asked for the lady in the video to come forward. But it wasn't Lauren. I want to see this TikTok. He's a bit of a conspiracy theorist, this guy. Oh, cool. On TikTok. And he's like, all his videos are like, oh, what about this person's ears? I'm not going to lie to you, the woman and Lauren do look very similar. But it's not her. And I'm not being funny, but... If you were kidnapped and abducted, why would you be forced to do online casinos? I was going to say, out of all the things. This is this bit cracked me up. I was thinking people are reaching now. Yeah, that's, I think people just find anything to gain attention, like for, for clout. For clout. Yeah, definitely. In the same year, on the 10-year anniversary of Lauren's disappearance, her mother posted on Facebook. Um, so we'll put the post on our Instagram because it is quite long and obviously we don't want to it's really sad though like you can even though it's only a post you can just tell that her mum is just like really heartbroken by this well, like anyone would be but like her feelings really get like shown it's really sad this was like a this, the case that was like it like blew up on in America like yeah, on social media yeah and like literally it had news coverage everywhere like they just woke up one morning and it was just everywhere there was a girl who went to the university of indiana after all this happened i think she said like journalism or something like that and she said apparently like campus life after this happened was completely different like the whole university dynamics were completely different her parents always said, whatever happened at night, no one that knows anything is talking, even now, 12 years later. Lauren's mum, Charlene, said, and I quote, perhaps it was a terrible accident that happened, and we can deal with that, but what we can't deal with is what we don't know. Ooh. So I mean, like, she just wants someone to come out and be like, she was drinking, she took a few drugs, her heart gave out. Yeah. This is what we've done. So it's just that closure, isn't it? Yeah, because now it's like, if they do ever find her, like, if they do find her and she's dead, these boys have ruined, like, at least they wouldn't have gone to prison. But now they would go to prison. Yeah, of course they would. My theory is, because if there's CCTV capturing her on her own, walking back, my theory is she did, someone did take her. Yeah. But it's weird that she was seen on CCTV at 11th Street and College Avenue, and that was it, nothing more. Unless, did she go down that alleyway and then something happened down there? Or did she make it back to her apartment and somebody was there waiting for her? I'm going to go with the third theory of what the police believed, being abducted by yeah. an opportunist on the street. It's, I th- it's got to It's be. very plausible. Yeah. She was a small, blonde, very, she was very pretty. She was very, yeah. very drunk. Another thing is like what we said, most of the time when you're when someone's murdered, it's by someone that they know. But yeah. what reason would those boys have to murder her? Like, did they try and? I don't think she's been murdered. I don't think she's been murdered. Really? I think the only things it could be is she she died because of her heart condition, mm. 
and then they panicked. Yeah. Or she got taken. For some reason, I just, I don't believe that she got, I don't think she got murdered. I don't. There is something in me that thinks, I don't think she's been murdered. What, do you think she's still alive? I think she's even been taken. Maybe she's still alive. Who knows? Maybe she's not. It's very far-fetched. Maybe she is. Her parents have said they don't believe she's alive. Mm. But they just want to know what happened. I think they just want that closure, like any family would. Yeah, exactly. If someone did kill her, I think it would be her boyfriend. Yeah. I don't think it was her friends. No. I think maybe it was her boyfriend's. Because I think I read somewhere that the four guys that punched Rosenbahn were Jesse Wolf's friends that he sent around there. Ah. So for me, I'm thinking maybe Jesse's a bit of a... Jealous. Jealous, narcissistic. Maybe not. I don't know him personally. The only plausible reason for her to die is from him. Yeah. Also, he was sober. He could dispose of body probably a bit better than the others. Yeah. I just think if she died from natural causes, I don't think the other boys would be able to hide a body as no. well as it is in the state they were in. If they were doing drugs and drinking, I just don't think they would. Be able to stay out of CCTV footage and... And move a body, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, no, I get that. I do think someone took her, I do. I honestly do think that she was kidnapped. Yeah, I agree. Abducted, because she's not a child, abducted. Yeah, I agree. I think it'd either have to be the boyfriend or, yeah, an opportunist on the street that saw a drunk woman Mm. and took advantage of that. But I think if someone took her, they didn't kill her straight away. And it's horrible to think of because it's yeah. like you don't want to think of anything like that. But I hate to think what she like what she went, went through. through. Yeah, that would have been horrific. Yeah, and the fact that nobody's ever come up it does make you think: is she still alive? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Cause... I always like to hope. If there's no body, I like to hope. So so much has changed since Lauren disappeared, but they still hold hope. And they ask: Did you attend Indiana University in 2011? Did you see someone matching her description in the early hours of the morning of June 3rd at the corner of 11th Street and College Avenue? And that if you have any information regarding Lauren's disappearance, then please contact police tips at bloomington.in.gov, Bloomington Police Department at 812-339-4477, and Crime Stoppers of Central Indiana at 317-262-TIPS. We will put the uh, information as well in our, in our in the description. On all our socials. If I can find these, I think it's good that we put them on because then yeah. in case someone does sit there and be like, you know. What's it mean? We've got nothing to Hopefully do. listen to our pod and then sit there and go, actually, one minute, mm-hmm. I remember this. Yeah. Also, I find it funny how you can actually use letters in america to phone yeah i didn't know that like tips at the end how the hell do you do i that? don't know if it's like text i don't know maybe i don't know but still i don't know it's a weird one it is a weird case well we hope you enjoy your week yes and enjoy your weekend yes i've downloaded drink aware oh for god's sake god's sake i'm i don't have an alcohol problem but it's like you know when you just want to cut down because I know I drink probably more than what I should. So you're making out like you're an alcoholic. No, I, I know I'm I not an alcoholic. I know I'm not an alcoholic, but it's like it's making me 
I sit there and think, why am I not losing weight? Or why have I got a headache in the morning? Or why do I just feel like I'm not completely with it? And it probably is just because you're dabbling in the bag. <laughs> no, joking. <laughs> I'm not dabbling in the bag. <laughs> Please don't get us banned on anything. I'm not dabbling in the bag. Yeah, no, I don't really drink that much, so I don't really mind. Mm. I mean, um, I know I don't, but it's just, yeah, I like to feel a bit healthier. Me and Abby are doing a 5K Pretty Muddy for cancer research on Saturday. Yeah. I said to Callum today, do you reckon I'll be helping Abby up all the like the high bits? You know, we have to like climb up. Yeah. Yeah, probably. You can try and motivate me as much as you want. It's like, how long do you reckon it's going to take you to do it? And I was like, an hour. well, I'm not going to leave Abby on her own. So it depends how long she's going to be. It depends what the obstacles are like. I mean, I think it'd just be more fun than anything. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm here for a laugh. Yeah. If you want to donate, we'll put the link in our bio. It's for cancer research, obviously. So we'll take anything we can get, even a, a pound, 50p. So yeah, don't forget to like, share, review, rate five stars or whatever stars you think we deserve. <laughs> and if you fancy it, you can follow us on Instagram at The Mystery Room Pod. And on Facebook at The Mystery Room Podcast. And we are actually going to start a TikTok, I think. Yes, we will. We will. Just need to get around to doing it and we need to figure out how we're going to do it. But we will do it. We, we will. So we'll let Watch you know. Watch this we're... space. Yeah, we'll let you know more on there. But anyway, we hope you have a good weekend and enjoy. Yes. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.